insurrection, obstruction, indictments, civilly liable for sexual abuse. The one man responsible for all that could be sitting in a prison cell on election day and still be elected commander-in-chief for these United States. That man is beholden to Putin, weakened NATO the last time around, and is currently tying himself to wealthy Saudi oil money. He enriched himself when government stated his properties. He campaigned on wanting to use government to go after his political rivals and wants to expand executive power. If Donald Trump is re-elected, our nation is lost. So let's roll up our sleeves, get to work, and tell the MAGA folks no more before it's too late. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's code 914-803-4131. It's 914-803-4131. You can always leave your comments in the chat as well on youtube.com slash Radio. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, just come on over to the YouTube side. Uh, we have cookies. No. We, uh, it's just easier to have uh, just everybody in one chat instead of me and monitoring two. If you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, et cetera, over on the show thread at liberaldan.com, on facebook.com slash liberaldanradio, uh, on uh, my Twitter account, liberaldanradio on Twitter, or here on YouTube on the show thread or the episode thread at youtube.com slash liberaldanradio. But to make it easier to get to the YouTube channel, you just have to go to liberaldanradio.com, and that's... I've just made it easier for everybody to get there. Instead of liberaldanradio.com, going to liberaldan.com, liberaldanradio.com now goes to the YouTube channel. So if anybody you want to send anybody to, the, to see the YouTube page, just tell them to go to liberaldanradio.com, and that will get you there. Uh, shouts out to everyone in chat so far. we got Steve, Jeff, Aaron. Uh, hopefully more will be on the way. Um, to support the show, the best thing to do is to like the video, subscribe to the channel, uh, comment in comment sections, share and like and comment on other videos as well, just to get those algorithms up. Because you know you got you got to feed Al Gore to get the algorithm right. Uh, so uh, that that's the best way to help. But if you want to help otherwise, you can always become a liberal Dan Radio patron, Patreon.com/slash/liberaldan or Patreon.liberaldan.com. Well, either way will get you there. You can also Venmo me, Liberal Dan on Venmo, or scan the code on the screen, or go to liberaldan.com and click the Buy Me a Cider button, or that'll bring you to buymeacoffee.com slash liberaldanradio, and that'll give you the option to buy me a cider, and it'll update live on screen, and for everybody to see that you support uh, Liberal Dan Radio, thank you for the like and subscribe, Steve. Uh, I think I saw you over there in Hal's chat. Good to see you over here as well. Appreciate you coming on over. Um, I think we're at under 250 to go. I think you would be 246 now left to go. That, that, I think that you're the 756th, I believe. So, hey, Jolie. Jolie came on in, the other half of the mod squad. Uh, appreciate you, as always. You and Aaron can't uh, – I mean, 
you make this a lot easier and I appreciate y'all for, for, for doing what y'all do. Um, especially when the, uh, the hard to deal with people come on in. <laughs> so at the bottom half of the hour on scheduled, uh, we have council, new Orleans council president, JP Morrell. Uh, he is a quite a good progressive guy and he, we always have a good time when we have a conversation. We have a good time on the radio. We'll be talking about a whole bunch of issues, uh, city, statewide, uh, again, probably more about the dysfunctional Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana um, and how probably his, the, state of the, the state party screwed over his father. Um, and, and by not getting out the vote, by not helping to get out the vote, his father probably would, otherwise would have made the runoff and would have, we would have had two Democrats in the uh, Secretary of State's race. Um, but because they didn't, now we only have one Democrat in the runoff. So what's up, Wes? Good to see you. Hey, Tim. Appreciate you as well. Um, and uh, we're also going to ask him, if I remember, so remind me to ask him if I, did, if I don't ask him about who makes the decision about when uh, New Orleans elections are held, because I believe that's one of the reasons why turnout was so low. I think everybody just believes in New Orleans that New Orleans that we're not going to have that big of an effect on an election, so therefore, why show up? Uh, but if we had New Orleans elections going on the same time as the state elections, maybe that would get more people out, and maybe then we would get people voting for realsies and get and, and drive turnout just like St. Tammany and Jefferson Parish did. Now I don't know the exact turnout numbers uh, for the city of uh, for those for those parishes or counties, as other states like to call them, because New Orleans or Louisiana has to be special. Uh, so so we've, I've still yet to see those numbers just to see how badly uh, New Orleans was, but how, just to see how much better the turnout was in those parishes that had elections on the same day. And I have, my, my theory is that that turnout in Jefferson Parish was probably significantly better than turnout in Orleans. And probably the same can be said about the turn on the St. Tammany Parish as well, both of which are um, more conservative. Jefferson Parish, a little more conservative. I mean, most all Republicans on the council versus all Democrats on the council, so clearly more conservative, except for maybe one seat. I think Jefferson Parish has one seat that's a Democrat on the council. I don't know if St. Tammany has a Democratic seat or not. They might. However, St. Tammany is extremely more Republican than Orleans Parish, so... Um, so yes, bring ahead to fall back. So we gain an hour of sleep this weekend. That's always a good thing. Definitely like falling back that hour. Of course, that always brings up the debate. Why do we have to have it in the first place? Because, um, back when we were in a more agrarian society, we would, we would potentially need the additional hours for the working, but now do we really need to do all that? Do we really need to have it be that dark uh, so early? I mean, I guess it'll, it'll be better for my son when he has to get up at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning and wait by, wait by the bus. So extra hour with the dogs, yes. So, Wes, on eastern edge of central time, I don't care for standard time. I, I can imagine, like, the people right on the edge must, must, must be more difficult for the people on the, on the edges than the people who are on the other side. Like we, we're, we're kind of like right in the middle. I think we're, I think we're right in the middle in New Orleans. We we have we have time. We have 
space for the left and space for the right. I don't get states like Florida, why they have like, why they circumcised the wrong end because the circumcision should have been done in the southern end, but why they cut off the, 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 the end of the panhandle. Like, okay, this little itty bitty part, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be the, uh, you're going to be the central time zone, but everything else is going to be Eastern time zone. So instead of, so why not just like when it, when it comes down Alabama and Mississippi, or was it Georgia and Alabama or whatever it is, I think it's Georgia and Alabama, but it comes down that line. Why not just have the time zone do like this? And it doesn't make any sense. Um, Daily News. Uh, yeah, hey, Daily News. What's going on? Yes, the Speaker of the House and the um, House Majority Leader both are from the state of Louisiana. And so you get to see where Louisiana, Louisiana has, will have a Republican governor and Louisiana is going to have a supermajority of both houses of the, of the legislature. So you're going to get to see what it's like when a state without a major city in it to help bolster the economy of those states, like you know, Florida has Orlando, and uh, Dallas has, or Texas has Houston and Dallas, and San Antonio, Austin. No, you're going to get to see what it's like when a when a when a red red state gets full on control over itself and has nothing to stop, nothing in its way. And then, so we are going to have the microscope on top of Louisiana, including because the fact that the Speaker of the House is also from Louisiana. The House Majority Leader is also from Louisiana. So Louisiana is going to have the microscope on it, and you're going to get to see. So this is the Republicans' opportunity. They're going to get to show whether or not they're legit or they're, or if I'm right about them, and, and they're going to fail miserably, and they're going to and I'm sure there are going to be some circumstances where they're going to try and twist it and say, this is a victory because, you know, maybe some money got increased, but at what cost, at the cost of people, at the cost of jobs, at the cost of the environment. Um, we'll see. Maybe a Republican president, maybe a Republican president in jail. That'll be interesting. That the constitutional crisis that might happen if, if, if this country is dumb enough to elect Donald Trump, if he's sitting in, in a Georgia prison, what happens then? So, but it is good to see you, Daily News. I hope the better half is doing, uh, doing better as well as continuing to be on the mend. Um, Steve, so if the Dems control all three branches, can you maybe do something about guns, asking for the rest of the world? Problem is, is that um, in order for in order for, to do anything about guns, it's not just simply a matter of having simple control of both houses. You need to have um, you need to have filibuster proof in the Senate, because in the Senate, and you need to have filibuster proof without conservatives and Democrats blocking the way. So it's like you don't just need sixty; you need like at least sixty-two, because you need to get around Mansion. You need to get around unless you're going to pull the nuclear option, in which case, you know, that that Pandora's box for that one has already been opened. So if you're going to try and get around uh, gun control rules by pulling the nuclear option, then you would only need 50 something. But it can't just be 51 because it can't just be mansion. You have to have more. So and the problem is that the Senate is too 
heavily weighed for the Republicans because we allowed states to be formed with such low populations that the difference between the lowest population and the highest population state is vastly different than what even the founders, I think, could have imagined. Because I think that Virginia was only 11 times bigger in population, if you're including the calculation for three-fifths of a black person. The Virginia was only, I think, 11 times bigger than, I think, Rhode Island, which was the smallest population state. Now you have Wyoming versus California, and I think that's, what, like 70-something times more of a population. So we've allowed states with such low populations to exist, and all of those states tend to be red states, and we, we've allowed those states to exist and, and keep the same idea of the Senate. And so you've allowed the conservatives to have control. It's, it's a sh I'm, I'm shocked that the Democrats ever get to have control of the Senate, that the Democrats are ever able to pull off control of the Senate is shocking in and, in and of it, in as shocking in and of itself. That's the word I'm looking for. Nice lid. Actually, I didn't get my haircut. Um, didn't get the haircut. I just shaved my shaved my face and my goatee, trimmed my goatee. So what's up, Cynthia? How's it going? Good to see you. Hey, human of being. <laughs> Don't tempt fate by underestimating the stupidity of the United States. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Exactly. That is actually a true good statement. Um, so so what, let's see. What else? What else do I want to talk about before we get to... Uh, Councilman uh, Morale. We got, um, hold on a second, before I get to you, uh, Khalil. Khalil's, in the, uh, Khalil's waiting on hold. I got two things I want to do before I get to Khalil. Uh, first, I think I need to pull up the video uh, because this video is live on YouTube now. It was live on the Patreon about 20 minutes ago. So if you're a patron, a supporter of Liberal Day and Radio, you get to you got to see it first if you came in to the channel or if it came or if you before you came to the show however uh if you did not if you did not go in there yet this is one of the let's oh look we did it right so let's go ahead and uh we're going to turning these off for a second so you don't have to see anything except for my mug and we will uh, go ahead and play this uh, new installment of just the clip oh I clicked the wrong thing <laughs> So there you go. Just the clip. Got to be able to do uh, the second installment of Just the Clip, and hopefully we'll have more coming in the future of that. So there's <laughs> the fact that he, uh, but you know, again, no commentary needed, just the clip. Let, let, him, uh, let him speak for himself. I, I did lower the volume on the thing. I hope the intro and outro of the of it sounded better than the last time uh so whatever interesting i have a i have a hole in my shirt nice 
Interesting. I've I've been have finding holes in my clothing recently. I don't know why. It's it's I'm not I've not been happy about it. I don't know I don't know if an animal's been getting at it or what, but you know, we have four in the house. Six if you count the kids. Anywho, so before we get to Khalil, one more thing before we get to Khalil. Um one thing I did want to talk about today in my continuing discussions of the Israel Hamas issue is there are a lot of people I've seen uh, on social media who are like me, they're leftists and progressives, but unlike me, they're saying, well, I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden this time. I might have held my, nose, held my nose and voted for Joe Biden last time, but I'm not voting for Joe Biden this time because I don't like how he's handling uh, the, the whole Israel issue. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about that is the correct thing to say is that you don't like how he's publicly handling it. That, that this is that you don't like how he's publicly handling it, but we've been so used to, or at least we were so used to having a president that handled everything in public that you're not used to having a president who likes to handle things in private and maybe deals with some things that I have to air all the dirty laundry out in the open and, and we'll work on things and get things done and, you know, come out and say, Hey, we've got a deal. Take for example, the train workers. There were a lot of progressive folks and a lot of union folks who were mad that Joe Biden signed the legislation that shut down the uh, shut down that strike that was taking place that forced the union were the, the workers on the rails to go back to work and let the, make the rails continue and continue to supply uh, the country. And there are people they were mad. They were mad. They were like, well, Joe, Joe Biden doesn't support the workers because he didn't get the union workers, the, the paid sick leave that they were wanting. But what did Joe Biden do after he signed that legislation that forced them to go back to work, that, that didn't give them the paid sick leave? He worked behind the scenes. And he continued pushing and pushing behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, he got it done. And then he came out with an, with an announcement that was like, after a bunch of negotiations, after the fact, we were able to get the workers on the trains. We were able to get them their paid sick leave that they've been asking for. So, yeah. Joe Biden might not do everything way out in the open like we're used, we were used to for the last four years before him, but he'll work behind the scenes and he'll get. So we might not, you all might not like the fact that he's in public, you know, and his administration is in public being supportive of the idea that Israel should be going, should be able to protect himself, itself from Hamas and should be able to, to go after Hamas. And they are publicly stating that they need to follow the rules of war, that they need to do things. But, you know, if, if you remember that with the train thing, you should also remember, maybe think to yourself, maybe there's things going on behind the scenes where the Biden administration doesn't necessarily want to air all of our dirty laundry. Maybe the president doesn't want to sit there and 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 try and, you know, air all of our diplomacy in public and wants to do certain things in private to try and push Netanyahu to do the right thing for humanitarian purposes. Now, do I have any faith that Netanyahu wants to do the right thing for humanitarian purposes? No, because I don't like Benjamin Netanyahu one bit. But that doesn't mean that Joe Biden 
is not going to be is not sitting there doing nothing. It means that he's likely there trying to use his power, his leverage as Israel's biggest ally to to, to get them to to do what the right thing is to do, which is to open up humanitarian aid to make sure that the people in Palestine who have nothing to do with Hamas get the aid that they need and to have an ending that will end this in peace for everybody who is still alive and making sure that, you know, yeah, going after Hamas is fine. And I've said many times before that I don't like all of the actions that Israel is doing in their attempts to go after Hamas. I think that the bombings are too indiscriminate. Um, I don't like what Israel has done in the past when it comes to bulldozing uh, Palestinian homes for settlers. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we could talk about when it comes to me and my disagreements with the actions of Israel, especially under Benjamin Netanyahu. But the main factor here, the main focus here is that Joe Biden, I will guarantee you, him and his administration are working behind the scenes to try and make sure that Israel acts better, to try and make sure that we get better solutions and better results in the future. And you might not understand that because you might need to see things visually, but that's not how Biden operates. Not everything is going to be visual. Things, some things are going to be done diplomatically, unlike the last guy who wouldn't know diplomacy if it hit him in the face. So that's what I have to say about that. Anyway, so we got about eight minutes before Councilman Morell should be calling in. So let's go ahead and pop in with Khalil. How's it going, man? How's, how are you doing today? Pretty, pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, what, what you got going on? One thing I noticed is they had a uh, group of African Americans go against the sanctuary cities in Chicago, and uh, uh-huh. obviously, people who go who are that black and white about Im- illegal immigration they they don't understand, you know, how the U.S. government has messed up all these other countries and how, you know, the U.S. government has made this mess and they refuse to fix it and they refuse to legalize these people. And um, I wouldn't be surprised that if these African-Americans were behind the front group that really or behind a bunch of African-Americans that didn't really give a damn about about actual situations with black people. I wouldn't be surprised. But like I said, people like I was telling you about Jesse Lee Peterson, people Mm -hmm. like him are behind all these anti-illegal immigration rallies that are at um, that are. um, that African-Americans, that they get a bunch of African-Americans to protest. Well, I mean, I'm not you, saying you, it is. In, any, in any place, like, what was that? You said I was in Chicago? Yep. Okay, like in, um, in any place, uh, hold on, let me, uh, let me just Google this. In any place, you know, you're probably going to have about, um, you know, one, two, three percent uh, of black black people who you know support uh, more who are more conservative who support Republicans because sometimes they'll get that much but sometimes they'll get even a little bit more. Um, the city of Chicago is about thirty uh, percent has thirty uh, percent black people, 
and uh, what's the total population of Chicago? Total population of Chicago is about 2.6. It just went up on me all of a sudden. That's weird. Uh, about 2.6 million. So 30% of that is to 260,000, about 750. 750,000, so you could get like 7,000 people uh, of, of that, of, of the population. You could probably get a good thousand of them to come protest somewhere and, you know, it would, it would make it look like, oh, there's a bunch of black people who are protesting, but really that's not, that's not representative of the black people of the city just because you managed to find, you know, a, a large group of them and organize them real quick. So yeah, I mean, it, it's highly possible that that could happen, but so, um, but yeah, I, I don't put it beyond conservative groups. To, conservative lo groups love to put their quote tokens out there uh, to try and, and and prove to themselves that they love to do it with Jewish people too. They're like, hey, here's a Jewish person who loves us, and let, let's have him dance around here, even when the the ma majority of Jewish people vote for Democrats because Jewish people see what conservative policies lead to, and that's nazi germany in 1933 um and you know you have people like you know actor kevin sorbo i don't know what the last thing he was in but actor kevin sorbo was like today was like why are jewish people still voting for democrats it's like because re republicans embrace these people and march next to these people and you know when you know y'all are protesting confederate monuments and and you know you have Nazis marching next to you saying the Jews will not replace us and uh, blood and soil and other Nazi isms. And you wonder why uh, us Jews are like, you know, no, we're not going to side with the people that march along next to them. You know, if, if, if I was in a protest and I was supporting a cause and all of a sudden some Nazis came up and marched next to me and claimed to support my cause, I'd be like, you know what, go march somewhere else or I'm going to go march somewhere else because I don't want to be associated with y'all. And so, but the conservatives are more than happy to have them. So, I was told they also do that with young people too. They get a t bunch of token millennials to go against um, things like Occupy Wall Street. Right. Well, yeah, the two. But then the funny thing is that you have a lot of conservatives out there now who are trying to say that they want to raise the voting age to 25 because they know a vast majority of people who are millennials, a vast majority of uh, Gen Z. Or whatever they they know that they're they most likely are voting for democrats so they know that the only way that they could win like people like vivek ramaswamy uh are advocating for uh raising the voting age and they're like and i'm like why why would you ever as a young person vote for a republican if you know that the republicans want to take away your right to vote right So I was like, I'm not impressed when they said the black people are waking up. I'm like, man, I was like, man, I know what you're, I know who you're, who you, I know, I get the feeling who you, who you might be. That person that said that on YouTube, I get the feeling who that might be. Not who they are exactly, but who, what the, what type of person, person's politics that person might have. Right. And and there's, I mean, you had the, you had the mayor of New York. I'm not going to say the mayor of New York is not liberal. Mayor of New York was complaining about the effects that that some of the that having so many people in the city has had on the city, and and that's fine. I and mean, maybe the, the the federal the federal um, you know response might have been better, 
Um, I don't understand why the Republicans wanted the uh, those the people who were undocumented migrants out of their states because at the end of the at the end of the ten years, uh, if you have the people those people who come here in your states, that just bolsters bolsters your population. And I'm saying let's have all of the people come to all of the blue states, but let let's have all yeah. of them so we can count them in twenty in twenty thirty. And then the blue states will get more more congressional seats. The red states will lose congressional seats, and we'll take back the Congress that way. So yeah, not only that. Sorry about that. Not only no that, problem. but it's like, but like if the Republicans don't want to legalize these people and they don't understand that the immigration has caused it, they're part of the problem too. So I mean, like too many Republicans say nothing's being done, but then when you argue. Uh, offer immigration reform, they are against it. It's like the U.S. government made this mess itself. It's like the Republicans shouldn't be – they either need to understand or they might understand because I've even had an African-American use the House analogy knowing that the U.S. government was took part of California from Mexico. He even used – he still used the House analogy. People still use those great House armed robbery analogies, even though they know the history of this country or even though they would do the same thing themselves, they still use those analogies. It's like, why would you even use analogies like that if you know the history or you would do the same thing yourself? It's like, it doesn't make sense to use those. Well, we don't do a great job teaching history, especially in the history of this country. <laughs> and then we have governors who want to fight us teaching the history of this country because they're afraid that, you know, if if we know the history, we we might stop them from repeating it, uh, because it seems like some of the people want want us to stop repeating. And the, and the funny thing about immigration is that you know to, you hear these Republicans and they're like Joe Biden just stopped six hundred pounds or six thousand pounds or whatever of fentanyl crossing the border, and I'm like, good, you know he's doing his job. Uh, that it's more than Trump ever stopped. Well, that means Trump wasn't doing his job. Like there's, you know, Trump was too busy going after like dreamers or the parents of dreamers or low hanging fruit and not and not trying to get like the dangerous people. Meanwhile, like Obama and Biden, when they're in office, they've gone after the, the more dangerous people. La Raza called Obama the, the deporter in chief when he was president. Yet, you know, they want to say that Trump is doing such a great job. Trump, Trump did it. Trump wouldn't. Trump didn't want to catch people, in my opinion, and this is just an opinion based on how uh, Donald Trump treated testing during COVID, because if Donald Trump actually caught people coming across the border, then he would have to report that he was catching those people coming across the border. And as such, he would then have to say, we've caught all these people crossing the border, which would make him look weak in his eyes. So that, that's just exactly why he didn't want to, you know, do that. That's why he wanted to stop testing, because he didn't want to have the high numbers, because he doesn't like the optics of it. Anyway, our guest is on, our guest is on waiting on hold, so i got to let you go, Khalil. Thank you so much for calling in. Appreciate you, as always, and you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. All right. And without further ado, let us switch over uh, to our special guest, uh, New Orleans City Council President J.P. Morrell. How are you today? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing today? I am doing excellent. It's great to see, great to have you back on the show again. Appreciate you calling in. 
Um, how's life as a New Orleans City Council person? Interesting. It's always <laughs> very, very interesting. I can say I'm never, I'm never truly bored. There's always something going on. Yeah. I mean, there was that heck of an interesting, uh, uh, you know, thing that happened between what was it you and um, who was it? <laughs> the uh, Thomas. Yeah, Councilman Thomas. Oh, yeah, that was. You, you, you mean you mean the the fight that didn't happen? Yeah, that was. That, yeah. That was a new, that was that was new. I mean, in my thirteen years in the legislature, when I had heated debates with the most Republican Republicans, I'm talking about guys like my good good friend and I would say uh, the anti JP Blake Miguez. We'd argue about whether or not you should be able to. Give 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 infants guns when the, when born. It never <laughs> came to fisticuffs, right? But the city council is a wild place. Yeah, I was. I mean, and and this never came to fisticuffs either. But you know, I mean, in New Orleans, we had like you know our our DA got carjacked, and like it, it's a crazy place. So at least we we did get our new uh, chief of police uh, sworn in, which which. I think is a good thing. I mean, I think it's good to have a, uh, it's good to have somebody who's in place. Did we ever, did we ever decide on, I, I didn't see if we decided what, whether or not we're, they were going to create that alternate position for the interim one to keep her at the same salary level or not. I think it's still a work in progress. Uh, the, the main commitment that the council sought and we obtained was that they would look at whether or not it was viable I will say that I've been impressed both before confirmation, during confirmation, and afterwards that Chief Kirkpatrick is very solution-oriented, which I appreciate. That's kind of how I operate. And by that, I mean whenever she sees a problem, she's automatically trying to find a way to solve it. And my frustration, like why I ran for government in, in local government, was that whenever a lot of people in government are per- present it with problems, they kind of always have a reason why they can't solve it, which is why you have problems that kind of go on forever. And a great example I like to use is when I sat down with her the first time and we were talking about recruitment and about how hard it is to get people to be police officers. And she, 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 she posited to another uh, deputy superintendent. She said, Hey, why don't we have rolling classes? Like, why aren't we doing, rather than trying to wait every three months to put together or cobble together a class, why aren't we just doing classes every month and whatever cops we have that want to go through, we just go through because that lag time loses a lot of recruits of the departments. And the person he was talking to said, well, um, we never rebuilt the academy after Katrina, so we rent facilities and we have to see what's available. And she said, we don't have an academy? And he was like, no, we don't have an academy. We just, you know, we're, we released this place from Tulane occasionally, and she's telling me the story, and I looked at her, and I said, had anyone told me that the NOPD needed an academy, I don't think the council would have been opposed to that, and we're not. Mm-hmm. And so we're working through that right now, but it's one of the examples of they knew internally there was a problem, and rather than solve it, they just kind of ignored it and said, oh, we'll just adjust to the new reality that this is an unsolvable problem. So we're just not even going to bring it up to anyone who could potentially solve it. Wow. And she was also a, like a reformer and a problem solver in her previous job too, right? So like she, she had a, she had taken in her, in her last position. Am I correct? 
She well, I would I don't I couldn't really say whether or not she was a de facto reformer. What I can say is she was definitely a whistleblower because she got her last job was at Oakland, and allegedly, and I could say probably not allegedly because she won her lawsuit, but she was asked by some people on the board that oversaw the department to fix some tickets or fix some kind of charges against some people, and she basically said hell no, so they fired her. And she won a $1.5 million lawsuit in federal court against the that fired her. So, I mean, was a reformer or not, I think she's got the chops and she's got the years of experience as a chief. But more importantly, what I took away from that kind of debacle is she's someone who's independent that when she's asked to do things that aren't appropriate, she says no. And looking at the history of our department, that in itself is kind of a good thing because right. having someone in her previous job when she was told to do something she did not think was appropriate to stick to her guns and say, I'm not going to do that, even if it resulted in her termination, that is really something we need in an OPD right now. Someone who's going to do the right thing no matter what, even if it's not, not the easiest thing to do. And now that she has a $1.5 million settlement, she's much harder to bribe too, right? <laughs> you, I don't know, she lives in, she lives in, in the Wash, well, she lived in the Washington area around Seattle, which is very expensive. They might buy you like an oh. apartment in Seattle, but so. Sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, but then she had to sell it. Who knows? So anyway, that's just a little joke. <laughs> right. So um, anyway, so uh, I, I saw your, you've been very vocal recently about the after effects of the uh, previous uh elections that the primary elections that took place and especially and the tone deafness of the uh of our party chair um about now's not the time to, to talk about uh, for infighting <laughs> like i, I well, cannot I mean, believe that i i've had i've had like brick and Dolphy from the north shore on i've had mandy landry on and like it's it's like we spent far too much time as a party trying to like unseat a progressive in, in Mandy Landry, instead of focusing on like other important things, well, like it, like what? It's it's it, it's actually worse than that, Dan. The the party, as in the chair Bernhardt, targeted every single person who is an incumbent incumbent Democrat who didn't sign on to her agenda. It wasn't just Mandy, and Mandy was the most high profile. Uh, Matt Cromier, who is now in a runoff in Plaquemines. Plaquemines was a Republican seat for years, and we picked it up with Matt Comier, or Cromer, however you want to pronounce it, depending on where you're from. And <laughs> the party put Chris Leopold's wife. Chris Leopold was the previous Republican holder of the seat. His wife, right. who's a, quote, Democrat, end quote, was put in the race against him, and you had the state party running a candidate against an incumbent Democrat in a difficult Republican district, and the House Democratic Caucus was supporting the incumbent. So you had the House Democratic Caucus having to spend money to beat a party Democrat that you threw in the race. See Travis Scott, as you might, rec might recall, he was the former first vice president of the party who resigned over Katie Bernhardt. Run he resigned from party leadership over Katie Bernhardt's antics trying to run for governor, she put somebody in his race. So now you have two Democrats in a runoff in North Louisiana. Now imagine this. If you crunch the numbers, especially third-party spending, 
Katie Bernhardt and the Democratic Party have spent more money trying to unseat Democratic incumbents than they spent trying to get Sean Wilson into a runoff, mm. which is breathtaking, breathtakingly stupid and short-sighted and petty. And, I mean, I know I listen to your show, Dan. I think we're in agreement. The party has been – this party needs to be burned to the absolute ground and just burned to the ground, dust yeah. off the foundation, and just start over because the reality is Something people don't realize about, about the party makeup is that so every party, every representative district, all 105, all, all 105 representative districts, each one gets to like a man and a woman to be in the Democratic State Central Committee. What right. people don't realize is, one, people don't even know who their DS, DSCC reps are, which is a big problem itself. But more importantly, there are parts of the state where they can't field someone to run for those seats. Do you know what happens when no one runs? The chair names them. <laughs> the executive committee that bows right. to the chair names the replacement. So basically, at one point, I want to say recently, it was as high as 30% had vacancies. Mm. So the party chair and the party leadership just fills them. Now imagine if you could have a president of an organization pick 30% of the membership, now you see why the party's dysfunctional. Because yeah. They can make themselves almost impossible to dislodge, but really what I've been talking to a lot of people about is everyone, whether elected or unelected, if you're progressive, everyone needs to run for Democratic State Central Committee seats next, this next term coming into the spring because the only way to burn the party down is from the inside. We have to have right. all those seats get filled with progressives or shit, just people who give a crap need to be in those seats, and we need to just say, first off, I don't know why Katie Bernhardt hasn't resigned already, because this was the most abysmal showing in the history of the Democratic Party, Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana, the worst we've ever seen. And if I hear one more person tell me that the only people that can be elected in the state is white, moderate, pro-life Democrats, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. Right. Because the reality is that logic is why that logic and that inability to – the party as itself, Dan, has to be a big tent. It's always been a big tent. We're not Republicans. We're a party. Right. Everybody's welcome. However, you can't use that as an excuse to stand for nothing, and that's kind of what the party's evolved into. They're not for anything, and they're kind of not against anything. They're just milk toast. And what I will tell you is what I've told many people. A lot of people have complained about turnout throughout the state, and turnout was low. Party sucks. Right. No Democrat was motivated to vote. That's not the – That's people who were Obama voters who were hope and change voters, it is incumbent upon a party in our messaging to make them feel like their vote matters. When you're constantly giving them candidates who don't really differentiate themselves much from the Republicans running – it's like, right. what's the goddamn point? Now, I <laughs> had a question because we had, we had a situation. I wanted to ask, ask you this question. Maybe you know. You probably, you, you probably know. Um, I couldn't find it. I, my search through was weak on this one. Like in Jefferson Parish, uh, they had elections that were for their parish elections along with the state elections. And in St. Tammany Parish, um, same thing. But our elections in New Orleans are at a different time. Is that set up by state law, or is that set up by the Home Rule Charter or ordinance, or how is that set up? 
I actually know the answer to this because I – so in New Orleans, for, for probably since the early 1980s, we were always on the off cycle from – so there's, there's – there, we're on an off cycle that's different from the state elections. However, mm-hmm. it was actually worse. It used to be in New Orleans since Dutch Moriel was mayor. The mayor would get elected in the fall – but the mayor and all municipal offices would not change hands till July of the following year. Right. And the election, sorry, no, I'm wrong. The election was not in the fall. The election was during Mardi Gras. <laughs> this was recently. So mm-hmm. for since, since Dutch Morial's time, the elections took place in January. The qualifying place in January elections were in Mardi Gras. And I met, I met with the league of women voters and over a two-year period, we changed the law, and this was back second-term Mitch Landrew, to make the elections happen in the fall because turnout was so crappy. Because right. if you have a primary election for mayor, city council during Mardi Gras, obviously people are distracted. So during Mitch's first term, we moved the elections from the spring, which we were the only municipality, large municipality doing these in the spring, to the fall to increase turnout by itself. And then in first term of Mayor Cantrell, we moved up the period in which you take office from July to January so it would match up with traditional elections. But we've always been on this weird off cycle, and it's a combination of state and it's a combination of state law and the charter. The charter has some language determining when the election is held. The state has matching language because remember, depending on when the election is held, the state also shoulders some of the costs. So we've always been an off election. Um, The challenge you have there is that in order to change that uh, to a, the same election cycle, what you would ultimately have to do is you would have to probably lengthen or shorten the term of another group that isn't in office yet, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, if we had a st- if we had agreement between the state and local government that we wanted to move New Orleans to the same cycle as Jefferson Parish and the governor and the legislature, we're about two years off from them. Right. You would either have to shorten a mayor's term to two years or extend a mayor and council's term to six years. That's a hard that's a hard sell. Number one. Right. Then then two, you'd have to convince an Orleans Parish delegation full of legislators who love the ability to run for city offices without risking their current office to put mm-hmm. them on the same cycle. Because right now remember if you're a legislator and you want to run for mayor or council since you're not up for election the same year, it's a free shot. And so to get the state and the locals to change the law to match up, you run to the political headwind of legislators being like, wait a second, if these two things line up, I have to pick. Now for me, I don't, I don't care. Like when I change, when I change the, uh, when I change the dates, it was actually more difficult than you would think because it was me and a bunch of little old ladies versus a hell of a lot of people that didn't want to change the system they didn't see as broken. And to the legal voters' credit, they just kept reiterating the numbers, which is our turnout was so much lower 
than comparable turnouts during fall elections because elections the election was during Mardi Gras and the runoff was during Jazz Fest. Right. So. But no, that was, that, that's terrible. I mean, you're not going to get people yeah. out. I mean, not the early vote, but. Yeah. So I mean that that we changed it, but yeah, we're all, we've always been an off election. If I had to guess, because it literally predates my time, maybe being alive. Right. I would have to guess that it was probably intentional because legislators and council members like the ideas of council members and municipal officials being able to run to the legislature for free and legislators be able to run municipal office for free because the elections, if they chose them, wouldn't overlap, if that makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. it, then, it seems intentional, but mm-hmm. but it, it predates me. And then, of course, you have to convince the uh, a very conservative legislature to, to do something that would help get Orleans Parish turnout higher during statewide elections, and would they be likely to do that? They would be unlikely to do that. So that's that's an excellent additional point, and yes, you're 100 percent correct. They would definitely not want Orleans Parish to turn out to be higher. Right, right. and and they're, they're Republicans are constantly trying to keep or suppress the black vote down, and it doesn't help that you have a uh, party leader in the Democratic Party who's also trying to suppress the black vote. So that's well, I mean, again why we have to burn the party I, I, down and rebuild I, I, like the I, I, phoenix I, I, from the ashes. I would push back on that. I think she wants black people to vote. I just don't think she knows how. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, well, no, no, I mean okay. Because the thing, what you have to realize is we're talking about a party which always puts up mediocre candidates and expects black people to show up. That's right. the issue. The issue is, is that like. And I had this conversation. But I mean, it's not just putting up mediocre of, candidates. She like literally screwed over Gary Chambers. She literally screwed over Devonte Lewis in the in the in the um, endorsement process. But, like but, changed but, the rules. You're a hundred percent correct in all of that. But remember, she still expected black people to show up for Sean Wilson. She still mm-hmm. expected black folk to show up. This is predating her. The parties that black people to show up for. Uh, John Bell Edwards and every Mary, going back to Mary Landrew, like going back to like they always said we can do the minimal amount of work for black outreach, but black people always vote Democrat, so that's our block. They're going to show up no matter what. I think what's happened, and you look at people like Gary and Devonte, they're great examples. I think that a lot of black. I mean, think about it this way, just to kind of scare you for a second. <laughs> Jeff Landry got twelve percent of black voters. Mm. Like, that tells you Jeff Landry ran ads on black radio. Now, the ads were completely misleading and, 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 and terrible, Right. but he didn't ignore the black vote, and he courted it. I would argue Jeff Landry probably courted black voters in a, in a, in a aggressive way more than the party and Sean did. They just kind of assumed that if black voters showed up, they would feel obligated to vote for Sean. And the reality right. is that all voters have to be courted. Even your own voters, like if you're chairing the Democratic Party, you have to give your voters a reason to vote. And the problem we have is we field not great candidates. The Democratic Party, Louisiana is always five to ten years behind national trends. Mm-hmm. Our party has the same logic that Hillary Clinton did running against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. She ran a campaign of saying, rather than Hillary run that campaign, 
promoting Hillary, a lot of party operatives around the country spent the last couple of weeks of that campaign saying, you have to vote against Trump. This is before we all knew how trouble Trump was. This is back when that first race happened. There's a reason why that was not a successful messaging, because rather than make it about how qualified our candidate was and the historic nature of our election, it became there's no possible way you can vote for that other guy. And what did the unions, the, the normal union voters who voted Democrat every time do in Michigan and Wisconsin and all those, all those states? They voted for Donald Trump. They flipped from Bernie to Trump. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is, like, percent in, of them Louisiana, at least. The, right. the, the, in Louisiana, what we've done for years as a party, and I've really not been involved in party politics for a very long time. I, I left the, our local uh, OPDEC years ago just because I thought that we needed to have less politicians on it. I think it needs to be, but separate issue. But my point is, is that. Oh no! The, our local optics still jumped in and 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 was was focusing on the wrong thing too. So you know, maybe maybe you need to but, hop back on. <laughs> well, I mean, but which yeah, I mean, that's a whole with the whole Mandy right? Landry. They but, they jumped in on the Mandy Landry thing too and endorsed uh, Madison O'Malley. I'm like, what? It, but the problem we have is a lot of the messaging around Sean to the voters was you have to vote against Jeff Landry, not why you should vote for Sean. Right. I would talk to True. people on the street and they would say, they would say, can you explain to me who Sean Wilson is and why I should vote for him? And I'm talking about this, this is like a week before the election. And if you as a democratic voter don't know who the party has not highlighted, who this, our candidate is, why they're important, how great they'll be, and you need surrogates like me who aren't even surrogates to try and, like, sell you on the street. That's a problem. Uh, mind you, that same voter doesn't know who Sean Wilson is. They've been hearing fairy tales on all radio stations, black radio, about how great Jeff Landry is. And right. we can't assume every voter is a is an avid watcher of YouTube and CNN and, and local news and reads the Times-Picayune or the, or the Gambit or knows – who Jeff Landry is, they may only hear the ads being like, he will fight crime or something. So, I don't know. I, I, I kept on laughing every time I heard the Jeff Landry commercial of Jeff, where somebody was like, Jeff Landry knows what the problems are in Louisiana. And I was like, because he created them or he helped create them. That's why he knows <laughs> what the problems are. But the um but like we had a we had a situation like in the Secretary of State's race, there were so many Republicans there. Had the turn had we gotten a good get out the vote effort to get the people out and vote, especially in Orleans. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here, turnout in Orleans is twenty seven percent versus like St. Tammany's yep. like thirty eight percent and and Jefferson's thirty three. Um we could have had two Democrats in that runoff because the rest of the rest of the Republicans in that race were basically chopping up the vote. Like there was no clear winner in that one. You're, if, if, if you look at who made the runoff, you're hundred percent right. I think it was a 19% and like a 17%. Like yeah. you could have literally had two Democrats in the runoff. You could have really put a, when I look at the attorney general's race, Lindsay Cheeks, a very, kind of attractive candidate but the problem you have is twofold one because she barely eked into the runoff over republicans 
in my estimation, looking on the outside, there's zero national interest in that race. Had right. she come screaming into that race with 40% of the vote and ahead of Liz Merle, who had like 33, you might see this, the national Democratic attorney generals funneling money into that race. Instead, she limped into a runoff barely ahead of another Republican. And it just cra- – Sean would have been in a runoff. But, I mean, it's just we really – we have to field more exciting candidates who really have better messaging. We have to be bold in our messaging and not be afraid. I mean, it's like even when when our candidates are running on a progressive platform being, you know, pro-choice, you know, anti against all the, the, the different ridiculous laws targeting queer, queer people of all ages. Like we can't be like whisper it. I mean, like, we knew Sean was for all those things, but he wasn't like vocally for all those things. He was kind of like right. tepidly for it. Like John Bell is like tepidly for it. And the reality right. is you have to figure out kind of who you are. If you're going to run as a moderate Democrat, which I guess is a lane still, then like be the moderate Democrat, I guess. If you're going to run as a progressive, be the damn progressive, but be something. I mean – I feel like right now you've got a lot of candidates that they kind of want to be everything to everyone, and it gets so diluted, and they're so boring and so milquetoast. As a Democrat, you're like, I don't know what you stand for, and because of that and because of the history of this party, I don't know if voting for you is going to make my life better. The only the only thing that I can think of that perhaps might give the Democratic candidates in the runoff uh, any sort of chance is the fact that there is no governor's race, so maybe that'll – keep Republican turnout down? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, the, 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 problem, the, the problem you've got is that Jeff Landry has a crap load of money left over. A yeah, that's crap true. crap load of money. Yeah, now he doesn't and have to worry about the runoff, so he can just give it to all yeah, everyone else. And the thing is, is that he is going to absolutely make sure that his hand-picked attorney general wins. He's going to yeah. absolutely make sure that Democrats don't control the voter box, which is Secretary right. of State. He's going to absolutely make sure the, 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 the treasurer's race is resolved the way he wants it. I mean, God, having a Democrat in charge of the treasurer's office would mean that you can't have hold up bond issuances because some banks won't fund the NRA. I mean, there's going to be such a concentrated effort to consolidate government. I mean, it's just going to be super interesting to watch. Now, the, the challenge is if we had a competent party – there's so much you can do to build a bench if you are a true opposition party that's organized. I mean, that's kind of what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia over years. Like, you, if you're an organized opposition party, you can capitalize on every time the party you're fighting does badly. There's going to be a lot of bad stuff that happens with Governor Landry. However, right now, this party right. couldn't, fight, couldn't fight its way out of the bag at this point. Right. So another thing I want to talk about, which is an interesting thing, is that, like, I was disagreeing with the council for for a while, and I had a big problem with something until the very end of it. And that was when it was the whole thing about the mailer during the recall that, that, was, ah. that, that was sent out giving information about Latoya Cantrell. 
And I guess I'll start with the end. I'll start with the reason why I eventually came around on it. Uh, reason I came around on it was because of the fact that when when it came out that they stopped mailing it out because the the recall failed, that just then proved the point that it was simply just being done for elector, electoral purposes and then they couldn't deny it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, and then, that's, cause, cause, that's, a good, that's a good point. So, so there was that. But, but initially, my, my issues were, and, and I think, you know, and, and this is not necessarily on you or on the council in and of itself. It's, it's more on just our society as a whole in general, was that I've seen these types of things be done all the time with, with using government money and, and, and getting around the, the rules of, of the expenditure of government money. Like, when I used to live in Kenner and Bobby Jindal was my congressman, the only ever time I got a letter uh, from Bobby Jindal's federal congressional office was when he was running for reelection. Like he never sent the update on us, you know, that, oh, this is all the stuff that I'm doing as your congressman. Only when he was running for reelection did he ever send that letter. So clearly he's campaigning with governor, government funds and no one complained, well, except for me. Um, I'll, I was sitting here and watching TV and the only time I would ever see a, an ad for Harry Lee, um, for advertising that you should come work for the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department and have him touting the awesomeness that is the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department would be during his reelection campaigns. And he would spend all this money talking about how wonderful the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department was, but only during elections using the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department's money to fund basically campaign commercials without saying vote for me. So here he had a time where she was sending a mail order to give it all the information about what she's done as mayor. And in this case, it's a black woman doing it instead of, you know, men doing it. And she got crucified for it. And I'm not saying what she did was right. I just had a problem with the fact that why is it that, you know, that we can never call anybody else out for it. And that was my kind of my big deal is that, is that, is that her administration did it and she got called out for it, but we're never calling anybody else for it. And I wish we would call more people out for it, guys. And that's not on y'all. That's, that's not, that's not, that's not your fault. That's not the fault of the council that, that other people haven't done their due diligence and they're like calling out people for clearly misusing government funds. But it's just, it was just a shame that the first time I've seen it happen here at least was when it was a black woman. (laughs) You know what I mean? a couple of things like first like honestly the reason why we began the investigation was because so as a legislator because like we the legislature does mailers every year taxpayer fund after session most legislators do it Mm -hmm. and as a legislator there are really that's where the law came there's really strict rules on how you can communicate using public funds with voters mm-hmm. like any mailer you get from your legislator they'll have one picture of your legislator the brochure will list a crap load of bills from a variety of people um usually not even the author saying these are the changes the legislature did and really to your to your point it's it's educational but just the nature of even having a mailer it's somewhat political in nature right. so i think that's a fair i think that's a fair complaint but what i would say is the reason why the law was drafted so specifically to kind of put these rails on that expenditure is because years ago, well before my time, people complained about it, which is why they put rails on it. The problem you had 
Well, generally speaking, and this is kind of like just a JP thing. I really give tremendous pushback on the idea, just generally speaking of, well, people have always done that and got away with it. Why is this different? I'm kind of over that. Because honestly, I will tell you that I get told all the time when I uncover shady shit in City Hall, they go, what's well, just the way it's been done? I'm like, that's not a, way, a reason to keep doing it that way. But I'm not going to get in that digress. So in the investigation, a couple of things came out. One, that what really was what drove the investigation is early on, we got some emails where after the mailer was out, Joseph communicated with the city attorney and said, is this allowed? And the city attorney told him no. Oh, jeez. But, but he only asked the opinion after he'd already mailed it. That came out in the debate. Like, mm. So he knew what he was doing was illegal and just didn't give a shit. And then mm. the last thing which really drove the council, I think, to the ultimate decision was, honestly, Dan, I don't know if this would have went this far had at the first hearing before we began the – judicial process if greg joseph and the mayor had come out and said yeah we made a mistake it's a policy issue we're going to correct it it probably would have ended there because everybody makes mistakes what we got instead of someone saying and honestly it's the problem i have generally with government as a whole that people and i feel like i call it the donald trump creep government right. officials increasingly cannot say i've made a mistake and own it they all just go nope no mistake here perfect phone right. call whatever that first hearing with, with Joseph, where we're like, you see this as a problem, and he's like, no, it was perfect. And we're walking through how parts of it are illegal, and in that hearing, what killed him was Leslie Harris asked him what was the context of this, and he played dumb that he wasn't aware of when the recall ended. They never had a discussion in the recall of the context of doing this mailer. And that the recall wasn't on his mind. Well, the, the facts were, one, the end date of his engagement with the company was the last day of the recall could be filed. Hmm. The thing that really killed him is the next person who came into that hearing to give testimony said that in December, before he hired the company, when this guy, Julian Mayer, who is the head of procurement, came in a meeting with Greg Joseph, he said all they were talking about was the recall and doing the mailer in response to the recall. And at that point, all of Greg's testimony imploded because he had lied to the council for about an hour and a half. But even after all that – And then he's the one that got had, punished. It wasn't the mayor that got punished. It was one, he that got punished, right? right? And, and, and to be clear, in the findings sent to the mayor, we said there was no evidence the mayor did anything wrong because right. all of the emails we had were Greg Joseph as an overzealous employee – blowing 50 grand. And what really was the ultimate impetus in doing something was what I found in New Orleans, and it goes back to like the Wisner funds and everything other challenge we have, is that when you see something wrong and you don't fix it, it becomes normal. And the one thing I was terrified of, and Greg Joseph kind of really put an exclamation point in that in that first hearing was, when you can't admit that you can't freely spend taxpayer dollars on propaganda that is completely off the rails, what you're really telling us is you think you can do this again. Right. It, had, had he come in and said, we made, a, we made a mistake, it was an error, I'm new to this job, it won't happen again, probably, and had the mayor worked out with us some way to repay the money, it probably wouldn't have been anything. 
But when all they did was try to gaslight the council, that when we found a problem, it was all about the mayor, even when we'd exonerated the mayor, there was no way we could let that be be the new status quo. Right. And I can tell you right now, the likelihood that any mayor, whether it be a white man, Asian woman, you know, uh, any combination you see, that any comms director after what we did will send out some bullshit mailer with taxpayer dollars targeting only voters. Other big issue. He only targeted likely voters and not everybody's a taxpayer, which is also a big problem in that the mailer was political in nature, not really informational. But right. we want to set a precedent of this shit's not allowed here. Don't do this anymore. That's it. Right. So. Well, yeah. Kind of I mean, background. yeah, I mean, look, I, yeah, I don't begrudge the, the council necessarily for going after it. It was, it was just like when I first saw it, I was just like, hmm, because I've, I've, I've always had such a problem with this thing, with, with, with people in government doing it. And I was like, of course, they're going after the black woman first. And so me is just trying to be like, <sighs> but at the end of the day, when I saw him be like, you know, yeah, it ended after the after the after the after, it ended once the once the once the recall ended, I'm like, well, stupid no that's yep, come on it, it, so there's just yep. no way you, you can avoid it at that point i mean that's just that's just dumb and then you, you know I mean, if you're gonna do shady stuff you gotta at least do shady stuff in a smart way <laughs> i mean i mean honestly like they could have done that mailer in an informational way without exa- overly exaggerating the political political messaging they could have done it to all voters there's plenty right. of ways they could have done that mailer dam where it would have been legal. But the right. fact that they were rushing it, it was in response to the recall. The mail the mayor has never done a mailer like that before or after it. The right. fact that it was so specifically tailored for that one instance, that's what killed it. I mean, honestly, like I said, you'll probably get a mailer. If you haven't got a mailer already from the legislature, you'll get one from your legislator because you pay for it with your tax dollars and it's done in the least offensive way possible. Congress gets a little more obnoxious. And the other thing is, is that honestly, you've seen with other mayors, like, I mean, remember when uh, Mark, well, Mark Moriel and Mitch even flirted with third term, they spent campaign dollars doing all kinds of advertisements, trying to build that momentum. There's a whole lot of freedom on how you could spend your campaign money to push your agenda. I mean, a lot of the most obnoxious Harry Lee stuff you saw, was mostly his ridiculously large war chest for his campaign. But, like, you, there, I mean, all of that messaging that's very transparent and kind of agenda-driven is very obnoxious, but it gets especially bad when they're using your tax dollars to try and influence you in a very specific way. So, I mean, I try my damnedest not to bug people with, with mailers and emails if I can avoid it, but a lot of people – don't subscribe to that. But try to spam people. But right. Well, we need more people it. like you and, and less people like <laughs> other folks. So, you know, unfortunately, we end up getting too many of the other folks out there. Um, Sarah, anything else you want you want to you want to bring up or chat about tonight? Anything else on on the agenda? Anything else coming up that 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 you know people should know about? No, I mean I think. I think that budget is very, very boring, but important. We're doing that right now. The big issue, which we, which the council worked on, and I'd love to talk about just briefly to sure. really tell people about it. Um, the council last year set up a council cor- uh, tourism and culture fund, and we're trying to 
we funded about $7 million in it, and we're trying to give direct money to 501c3s that target youth recreational services as well as culture bear support organizations. And we're doing that because um, the last couple of administrations have really tried to create their own host set of programming whole cloth to do those sort of things, and they're very bad at it. And when you look at in communities, there usually are already organizations that have been in communities embedded for years that are helping people, and they're doing it on shoestring budgets. There's this really great group called Heroes of Algiers that set up their own after-school program for at-risk youth where they show up to an old school, and their tutors there on site. And basically, they give kids a safe place to go after school to, like, hang out and do work, play basketball, but just kind of be in a safe space. Groups like that are throwing fish fries to keep the lights on, and what they're really doing is creating the foundation and fabric to make the city safer and healthier for different groups. I mean, you've got the Musicians Clinic in Musicians Village where they're providing health care to musicians who can't afford health care. Those type of groups have never had access to any real city funding. So the right. council created this fund, and we're really trying to amplify to people. If you're a 501c3, it's been around at least three years, that provides sorts of services. It's a free application through the Grand New Orleans Foundation. You just go to Ganoff's website, and you fill it out, and it's an opportunity to get some money to keep your lights on. And it'll be an annual thing that allows us to try and subsidize these programs that are helping our culture bearers and our, and our kids. And it's another way, like you said, when you're looking at trying to, like, fight crime, it's not just about locking people up. It's about providing opportunities. And if you have more safe places, for kids to go after school, if you've got more outreach, like Son of a Saint, for example, to target kids who are at risk and try and give them a different way to live, we should really be lifting those groups up rather than just always saying the only way to solve problems is to over-police. Right. Prevention is yeah. ounce of prevention, pound of cure, all those, you know, cliches that are probably true. Yes. All right. Well, look, anytime you want to come back on the show, you are, you are more than welcome to come back on the show anytime. I love having you. And, 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 you know, we could, since you're local, we could always do lunch sometime too. hang out. Love to, love to, love to see you in person too. Sounds fantastic. Maybe, maybe once I get, once I get my podcast schedule on, you call my podcast and return the favor. There you I will be more than happy to. Yeah. Well, I'll talk to Monet. We'll we'll make that happen because we're about to have a whole, post-mortem like we're, we're working on this like five to eight episode arc just on the complete collapse of the louisiana democratic party so maybe i'll have you come oh. on that and you can give your opinions on it it's it's, it's going to be a whole lot of different voices we're actually reaching out to voters who have voted in previous elections who sat this one out just to be like what turns you off from voting for voting this time so right. I feel like it's kind of a, a, a dialogue you have to have. I'm not looking for voters who never vote, but when you look at the vo- look at the turnout for like Obama is the high point. We have voters right. who were new voters who came out during Obama, and within two or three elections, they just fell off the rolls. And that's not because they couldn't vote anymore. It's because they stopped caring because we did a bad job. I just want to figure right. out why that all happened. Exactly. All right. Well, yeah, whenever that is, just shoot me an email. I'll be more than happy to come on. Be perfect. All right. Thanks. All right. Man. Thank Good you very much. You. you have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Again, Council President JP Morrell, thank you for coming on the show again. Appreciate you and look forward to having you on again. 
All right. Let's see. Let's scroll back through the chat and see the things I missed. Hey, uh, Demonox is on. Good to see you, Demonox. First Global Band Radio patron. Um, Tucker John's there. Good to see you, Tucker John. Bicycle Mike. Uh, Eating a Kit Kat. I'm getting hungry. Share me a Kit Kat. Give me, break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar, Jolie. Um, unless you've already finished it, then I guess don't. Uh, what else? What am I missing? Jack, Jackie dropped your phone. That's not good. Yes, absolutely. Go sub to Trucker John if you've not done so. Support Trucker John's channel, support my channel, support Hal's channel, support all the channels. We all need the support. Get those algorithms. Uh, I want you to come west. I don't know. I'm probably going to start doing a, uh, maybe doing one one or two of my uh, my toxic masculinity things if I find a good one that I, that I can do. And then I might uh, head off for the night. Might do an earlier night tonight simply because... I'm kind of tired today, and I have a bunch of stuff to do tomorrow. So, um, and I might have to wait. I might wake up early Friday morning. Well, I might not go back to sleep Friday morning after I drop my son off at the bus stop because there's some stuff. I might I might do an extra nerdy dance stream Friday morning um, after the update uh, comes in for the new Fortnite season. Um, I might do a longer stream tomorrow night too on Twitch because I have I have a one final objective on the Fortnite season that I want to do. And, you know, and Andrea is here. Hello, Andrea. I think I saw something about your biopsy and your, and your throats on the men. So that's good to hear. I hope the biopsy came out. Okay. Um, Cynthia, yes. Uh, JP Morrell is awesome. I really do. Uh, he's, he's one of the good ones we got here and we need more like JP Morrell. Um, so, Let's let's scroll and see we, if we got any one of these. Uh, let's see. We already did that one. I didn't delete it. Um, I think I had done that one already as well. That one's a long one. That's a short, that is definitely a short, that's one of the shorts. I don't, I don't know if I want to touch that one on yet. Well, there's another one. There's another short. All right, let's mute this and bring this one down here. And remember, I'm also not not just on Twitch at um, oh yeah, fat shaming. There we go, fat shaming. We have fat shaming one going on. Um, so yes, not only do I have a um, Not only do I have a uh, Twitch for NerdyDan.com, I also have Liberal Dan Radio on Twitch, and I'm trying to make sure that it gets up to 50 followers. So once we get monetized here, I can and st- I can start streaming over there and get become an affiliate over there as well. 
and then we'll simulcast both places. But again, first, first thing that I'm, I'm focusing on is getting monetized here on YouTube, but that, can't, that doesn't mean we can't get those follows up on um, the Liberal Dane Radio on Twitch as well. So if you have Twitch, go follow me over on Twitch. If you don't have Twitch, sign up for a Twitch account and go follow me over on Liberal Dane Radio. I'm not doing anything on it yet but it'll help me get to the 50 followers that I need. You don't have to do anything with it. Just follow. Don't think you could take toxic this late. Okay, that's fine, Cynthia. Appreciate you. Hey, Elizabeth, what's going on? Um, Let's go back to the alternate. Let's turn the things back on. Uh, let's see, XSplit, make myself a little bigger, Venmo, or do I want to bring myself over here in the middle to make it easier to respond to? Yeah, that's, that's probably what I want to do. Let's do that. I'll do it that way. Cause we actually have a, uh, Another graphic for Pick Me Pearl on the other side that I can do it for the big ones. And then for the small ones, we can just capture the middle right there. So for some reason, this one came up this way, even though it's, I guess, this is supposed to be a short, but it's not a short. That's interesting. It just came up that way. Um, it's not playing in the short feed like it normally does. So welcome back to another unraveling uh, toxic masculinity. In this one, we have another video by Pick Me Pearl, and the name of it is Men Hate Fat Women. So here we go. Here's some toxicity on the uh, part of Pick Me Pearl. What does she have to say? Uh, I happen to think, I don't know how much Lizzo weighs, but I think Lizzo looks great. Whatever weight she is, I'm not going to guess what she is, but I'm sure she would assume that Lizzo's 300 pounds. Um, Maybe she's 280, maybe she's 250, maybe she's 330, maybe she's 350. I don't know. But Lizzo is a large woman. She's also a very attractive woman. And that's that's the first one I would go to. There's other people. Cameron Mannheim, she was a, a larger actress. She's very attractive. There are attractive women who are overweight. Just because you don't think they are, just because you want to be a pick-me, it doesn't mean that other people aren't going to find them attractive. Again, I am a large man. And shockingly enough, I was responding to one of um, Myron's uh, Fresh and Fit clips on his video. And he was like, he was like, I don't like, I don't like fat guys. Get to the gym. You're never going to get women. Like, dude. My dating success went up as I gained weight because it had nothing to do with my weight. It had everything to do with my attitude, with my confidence and how I presented myself, how I spoke to people. The weight came into play with some people, sure, but not with everybody. And if, but for the people that it came into play with, I didn't want to date them anyway. So what was that in stone? Oh, now they're doing math. I, can't, I guess they're trying to figure out the, the calculations as to what it means, because I guess she's in England. That's not a whale. 
Well, I mean, you know, they're not animals, they're humans. Chucker John, liberal Dan got game. Again, I, I would shock people in my fraternity who would make assumptions that just because I was a larger dude that somehow I wouldn't have game. And they, I'd, I'd show up with women who were very attractive and they would be like, what's going on? Like these guys were, were like athletic looking. They were kind of, they maybe they were, but they just were a little socially inept. I was socially adept. I could go out there. I could talk with people. I could flirt. I could do everything. I, I had very good success dating in college. Oh, there you go. She brought up Lizzo. Let's see what they say about Lizzo. Here she is. She's trying to be. She's trying to be like you know, not be mocked by the people of this show, but also or not be criticized by the people, whatever. But she knows Pearl's going to be like Lizzo's not pretty because she's obese. And there you go. So there's Pick Me Pearl just being a fat shamer, not understanding how society works, how there are people who are attracted to people of all different shapes and sizes. And, you know, again, as I talked about this in the very special episode of Liberal Dan Radio, where I talked about my life as a obese person, this is the type of attitude that you have to deal with. When, you know, I was dealing with some people responding to videos that had nothing to do with my size and people were like, oh, your opinion is wrong because you're fat. <laughs> but, you know, th those type of people are out there. But <clears throat> the idea that people, I mean, I've seen some women on the street, you know, that were, you know, larger sized women that were obese women that, you know, I was like, wow, that woman's really attractive. Like, I remember watching some episode I I was younger. I want to say like I was maybe eight or ten, and like really young, but like like old enough to maybe recognize prettiness or attractiveness or whatever. Um, and I, I think it was an episode of Phil Donahue, and they had this one woman. It was a blonde woman who was on stage, and she was upset, I think, about her weight, and she was an obese woman. Um, and they were talking about that she was upset about the fact that she was obese. And, and I was sitting there and I'm just like, I don't understand what the problem is. She's a very pretty woman. Like, so I think a lot of this stuff is learned. I think a lot of this stuff is, is a, a lot of this stuff is learned, but there's also stuff that you, again, you can't help who you're attracted to. You can't help you're not attracted to, but there's also a lot of stuff here that is, there, because society has these standards that I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are attracted to people of larger size and stature who are afraid to date those people out of fear of what other people might say about them. Like there are people who, like I, I, I remember I, one of my girlfriends in high school was, she was like a year older and she was thick. I wouldn't call her obese necessarily, but she was definitely thick. Uh, she came and picked me up one day and she was wearing kind of like a tighter outfit and, and a couple of the people scoffed at her the next day. And I was like, what are you talking about? She looked hot. Um, they didn't like the fact, they didn't seem to like it, but I wasn't embarrassed to be seen with her. I thought she was stunning.
but other people would have been embarrassed to be seen by her. Like, I guess that's the difference between myself and I guess a lot of other people, but we live in a society that where people are shamed away from being with people who they would normally find attractive because society makes us think that those people are somehow lesser. I guess us people are somehow lesser. So that's why, uh, whatever. But then again, in high school, when I weighed like 190 pounds, I should bring up the picture of myself in high school. Let me go find a picture of myself in high school where I'm not with somebody else. If I can find that one, let me, let me go see if I can find that real quick. And I'll show you, you might not see it in this video, but I'll, I'll probably edit this part out. And I'll show you how, what I looked like in high school and what I thought I, and I still thought I was fat back then. So let's stop recording this one. Switch the scenes. All right, let's, let's, let's do that because this will be fun. This will be fun. Let me find this picture. Bicycle Mike, yeah, uh, size zero or worthless or whatever. Um, Wes, I'm a rich old man. You're a rich old man, huh? You know, I, maybe I need a sugar daddy. <laughs> so Benny, look, I've always been a size seven and I've been, and I've been 275. I'm always mean, no matter what size I am. And exactly. I wouldn't have you, we wouldn't have you any other way, Benny Loco. And I'm like, I've fluctuated, you know, I've, I've been, you know, I was at my heaviest. I'm, I'm like 80 pounds down from my heaviest. I'm kind of at a plateau at the moment, but at the moment, um, like, you know, I, I've still dropped 80 pounds from where I was, but still it sucks that I'm at a plateau, but you know, wait, hold on. That's Donald's line. Let me, uh, I need to unmute this before I get to Donald's line. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. <laughs> Anywho, um, let's see if I can find this darn picture real quick before I do anything. Go to my profile. Go to photos. Albums. Uh, let's see. No, 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 no. Profile pictures. It should just be mobile uploads, I would think. Looking, 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 looking. Do an interesting story. I'm going to be, uh, while I'm looking for this, I have a, um, there was a, a story that I did. Um, I don't know if I talked about this last time or not. There's a story that I did. Uh, there was an anthology type book that um, that was that was like it was it was kind of based on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and so the person like said, "All right, here is every story. Um, here's every here's every episode. There we go. Found it. Found the perfect one." Anyway, so uh, it, it's like every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and, and every person who submitted a short story to that book wrote like between eight and 1,000 words. And 
Um, and basically wrote a story kind of based on that story, kind of like doing a critique on that story. And so I got published in that book. I didn't get paid or anything for it. Like the, all the sales, all the proceeds from the sales went to charity, which is fine. It's just neat that I'm published. And what, what I ended up doing is my short story was fan fiction, but it was the fan fiction in the Firefly universe. But the fire, it was the Firefly universe people having just watched that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and they were making commentary on the particular episode that I was writing about, and I was able to make parallels between that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and one of the plot lines of the Firefly show, and it was really good. I was really proud of myself about that writing. And so I got asked to do one for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and the episode that I got for Star Trek Deep Space Nine was The Trouble with Tribbles, or Trials and Tribulations, which is an episode from The Trouble with Tribbles from the original series. So I've managed to make it part of... So this short story is taking place in another Star Trek series, the Lower Decks cartoon, where one of the characters is watching watching a a fun cooking show on Ferengi TV, if that means anything to you if you're not if you're a Star Trek fan, and he ends up watching something that act turns out to anyway. I'm really proud of it too. I have to do a couple of rewrites to make it have more of a commentary, but you know, I was really proud of it. Anyhow, anywho, so it'll be my next published thing if you want I'll show you if you want something that has an example of a writing by me and to help support charity, I'll, I'll, I'll share the link once the link becomes available. Um, or if you want, if you want copies um, from me with a signature on it, um, I'll have y'all do pre-orders and then I'll, I'll, I'll sell, I guess I sell a signed copy or whatever. Maybe I'll do that as well. Signed and shipped and off sent off to y'all. Anywho. So here we go. This is me in high school. This is, I believe, senior year in high school. This is what I, this is what I look like senior year in high school. How toxic our society is. I thought I was fat. I thought I was fat back then. I was maybe about maybe 195 pounds-ish back then. Much, much less than I am now. I thought I was fat. That's how toxic our society is. And yes, we love kimchi, Gibson. Um, kimchi is welcome here. Um... Anywho, but yeah, that's, that's how toxic our society is, is that we live in a society where that is made to feel as if, they're, as if people like that are made to feel fat. I was made to feel as if I was fat. Like, I would love to be that right now. I would love to look like that right now. But the funny thing is, is that I got more dates. I was more successful dating, 100 pounds more than that, in college. 
Why? Because I was more confident in myself back then. And that's why I like those people, like the fresh and fit folks. That's why the, 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 the pick me pearls and the other folks, that's what they don't get. They don't understand that. They don't understand that confidence, a sense of humor, intelligence will go a long way with a lot of people. And they would probably just assume that, oh, well, if you were 100 pounds heavier than that, you must have been only dating people who were your size as well. No, not necessarily. I mean, some, because again, I don't view weight as something that is a detriment to looks. Either you're attractive or you're not. Weight has nothing to do with it, in my opinion. I've seen people who are ugly, who are thin. I've seen people that are stunning, that are thick or larger, or what society would call obese. And there are people that are ugly based off of what they reveal from themselves from the inside. Like, you know, they spout some opinions that are terrible, and then they go from being, you know, good looking to be like, I don't want to be with that anymore. So... What should we call it? Was that my brother? No, that was me. That was me at at probably eighteen. If not eighteen, seventeen. But I think I think that was senior prom prom. So that was probably if that was senior prom, that was probably eighteen or just about eighteen. Yep, youth is wasted on the young, definitely. Because if I knew now what I if I knew then what I know now, oh boy. Um, Jeff, I heard college is the most fun of your life. I had made sure. To, but yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I uh, took a year off and then came back was because I was having a wee bit too much fun. I had to focus myself. I had to I had to get on the right track and then go and get serious. Because I was having a wee bit too much fun down here in New Orleans at Tulane University. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a very good time. So. Aaron, wearing my party like a Vulcan shirt today. Awesome. Cool. Ah. What did I just do? I don't know what I just did. I didn't want to I didn't want to do one of the things that that option said. So Elizabeth, looks don't matter, clean, good matters, most importantly, good heart matters. I mean I mean look, I mean that's true to a point. I mean, there are people who, you know, that are very nice people who I'm just not attracted to. And that's fine too. I mean, there are actually people who are attractive who I'm not attracted to as well. I mean, there's that as well. Like I have a, one of my best friends, I could probably look at her and say, you know, I will tell you that she's an attractive woman, but there's no interest there. Um, Demonox, I'm sexy on the inside and out. I haven't seen your inside Demonox, so I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't begrudge people for, for not being attracted to people based on their looks. I mean, it's fine if you're not attracted to somebody, but it's the way you communicate that, that makes you, um, makes you a horrible person or not. Cause I mean, if you, 
if I were to come up to you and you would be like, you know, and I would be, and I introduced myself to you, we start having a conversation and, you know, we chat, whatever, and, and there's no romantic interest, it's fine. But if you were like, if you'd be like, no, you know, really, I'm, I'm not interested in, in, in seeing anybody right now, that's, that's fine. Or, you know, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, you're, you're, you know, we would mesh together in a relationship wise, but could we be friends or something like that? And I'd be like, sure, fine, cool. But, you know, if you're like, ew, you're fat, then yeah, that, that, that means you're a terrible person. So, graduated from 1984. One mile from Strategic Air Command Base on the Pacific Rim, nothing was safe. <laughs> nice. Anywho. I think I'm going to go ahead and probably just call this one a night because I think I'm getting a little bit tired. So um, that's some other stuff I want to do. So let's just go ahead and call this an end to today's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Please remember to go. If you haven't liked and subscribed to everything, I'm sure all of you have already, but please remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, please remember also to go like and comment and share other videos uh, on the channel to get those Al Gore rhythms up because you need to get Al Gore to dance. Make Al Gore dance. Put up those Al Gore rhythms. Tomorrow, again, I'll be live on Twitch. Uh, I'm, I'm playing with, I'm toying around with, I have been starting my Twitch streams at 7 p.m. Central instead of 8. So if you want to join me an hour early, you can do that. Otherwise, you know, just hop in whenever. Love to see you. Uh, maybe on early Twitch on Friday morning as well. Otherwise, I'll be back here Monday evening, 8 p.m. Central for more Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. <laughs>